This is episode number 58 with entrepreneur, speaker, and author, Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Herpreneur Wellness Show. I am your host, Annette Lakovich. Join me as I bring you some of the most cutting edge and coolest people on the planet to help you live a bigger, more fuller life as a female entrepreneur. More health, more wealth, more happiness as you continue to grow your extraordinary business and an extraordinary life. Let's do it. It's official. Raise your glasses. Hello, I'm literally doing this on the run today, just finished up with our Convert event, that was Peter and my event that we're doing together, so great to rock the stage with your hubby, I tell you what, long time overdue, yes, I know, Uh, it's really crazy because we've been doing events for years, and we've actually presented on the same stage in the past as well, but we've never ran our own event together, so it was so great to come out of the gates and do that, and now we've tested it. We actually tested it. It was like our pilot event. We played full out, got everything we needed to make sure that it was a proper test run, and it was incredible. Only an intimate event. It's our first one in Perth. They're still building our database here. Had 21 people registered. It was a paid event, so obviously, you know, your ego sort of gets in the way because of free events. You get more bums on seats, but it was such a beautiful, intimate room, great energy, and um, had such a great conversion rate as well because this gave us the opportunity to showcase Peter's Sales Accelerator program plus be able to deliver high content because they've paid for it so we wanted to make sure that these guys in their seats were just hanging on to every session and I tell you what the great thing is no one left and if you've done events you know what I mean and if you've been to events you know what I mean because normally around that three o'clock mark everyone suddenly has to go Um, and I've seen this with large, large, large events. I've done events from 1,500 people all the way down to some of the smaller events, normally about 40 or 50. And you do get those people that do say, oh, you know, I've got to go. And I don't know what it is sometimes. Sometimes it's because the speaker's not great. They're not getting the value. And sometimes it's just this fear of missing out, this massive FOMO takes over. You know, it's a nice day outside or suddenly you just get itchy and antsy and just want to get out of there. And the great thing is everyone stayed and Pete and I did a panel at the end and it was just awesome because those people that ask the questions, that have that courage, it answers so much for everybody else in the audience. So it was an awesome day. As I said, I am on the run because I'm flying out to Brisbane in 12 hours. So I've got a lot to do today and I wanted to make sure that you guys get this amazing interview today with Kim Morrison. If you are finding it hard, you're holding back because you fear of judgment, you fear of getting the no, fear of breaking rapport, scared of getting your business out there, scared of it being um, not accepted by the public or your services. If you have any fear about that, this is the interview for you. Today's interview with Kim Morrison is going to teach you about tenacity. You're going to see tenacity at work. You're going to hear about how many times she gets no and what she did to push through it. So I've created the topic of this interview as never saying no as an entrepreneur and actually seeing how this unravels. However, there's edits. This interview was over an hour long. So after we've wrapped up with the topic, I've got the back end after I've said thank you and we've wrapped it up. I'm giving you the unedited part that we've taken out, which is about health and wellness. Our body is a vessel and how well we can tap into our intuition as women and be able to really steer our body 
boat in the right direction is so important. And also it's a health and wellness podcast because the interview was so long. I wanted to give it to you. Stay on the back end so you can hear that. The front end is about the topic. The back end is really applying it to her passion and really what made her create a health and wellness business called 28 Essentials. It's an incredible business. It's booming. She's been going for years now. Though you're going to hear about the hard start that she had with that and what she did to move through it and also the importance of chemical-free skincare. That's at the back end. I'm sharing that with you as well. Let me tell you a little bit more about Kim Morrison before I go on. I know that you know the face. You probably know the name as well. If you have not met her, you would know her because she's in so much print media. She's an author of six books. Her latest book, Like Chocolate for Women and the Art of Self-Love, are two dynamic books that are out there at the moment in the marketplace and taking the world by storm. She is big, big, big into aromatherapy, self-love, health. She's a five-time best-selling author, facilitator, health and lifestyle educator. I'm telling you, this woman walks her talk when it comes to strategies, when it comes to health. She is the founder of 28 Essentials, which is an organic chemical-free skincare and aromatherapy company that also has online education programs. Enjoy today's interview, Never Accepting the No as an Entrepreneur with Kim Morrison. My goodness, ladies, I don't know if that bio just tied you out, but we definitely have a high-achieving woman on the line today. And Kim, you set the world record as the youngest female to run 100 miles in less than 24 hours. Holy cow. I know that was back in 1983, but I still want to say congratulations. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Gosh, it was actually 89, but thank you. Yes, I was only 19, 20 20 years of age when I did that. Extraordinary. (laughs) Do you still run now? I run, but not like that, no. Right. And what type of runner are you? Are you naturally a long-distance runner, or do you prefer, like, the short sprints, or what's your type of run these days? Longer the better. My body doesn't quite like the long one anymore, Um, but, you know, anything 5 to 10 Ks is a really nice distance for me. Wow. (laughs) I'll stick with the 3 Ks and do little sprints. And every time I see stairs, I like to do the interval training. Um, I'm still training to be that runner. (laughs) I've had a few months off, actually. I've, I've had nine months of um, back rehab, but um, I'm getting back into my running now. So um, you will inspire me. When I hit the 5Ks, I'll send you a message. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to it. Kim, I'd like to start off with you had a mentor through that time when you were running, uh, Cliff Young, and apparently you still live by an ethos that he shared with you about success Uh, 90% is mental and 10% is physical. Can you explain to us that whole journey, what it means to you and why you're still passionate about that? Sure. I remember the reason I got into ultramarathon running is I was happened to have been assigned to Cliff in one of his 24-hour runs and never knew much about him, had never run beyond 10Ks in my life. So running interested me from a fitness point of view, but certainly never a long distance. And whilst I was looking after Cliffy in that event, he said to me in the pit stop tent in the middle of the night, hey, you're finding it, Kimmy. And I said, it's the most boring thing I've ever watched. 
Um, and he said, well, why don't you put your money where your mouth is and actually run one? And I thought, I'm probably, and this is maybe another metaphor for me, I'd much rather participate than watch. So three months later, I was lined up in a 12-hour race. Oh um, he said to me in that, um, just, I've just got one piece of advice for you. Um, just remember it's 90% mental and 10% physical. And I remember at the time thinking, yeah, 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 you're, you're three times my age, got this, got this. Um, but boy, did I, I meet myself in the four-hour mark after I went through the marathon. And then, uh, you know, the cool thing is he kept me on the track and my coach kept me on the track and ended up winning that race and ran 95.4 Ks, which gave me entrance into the Victorian 24-hour championships. Oh, my gosh. Which, that's the one that I set the world record, um, being the youngest female to run 100 miles. So that was <laughs> the youngest and craziest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Most people that young don't do things like yeah. that, which it's way, the, the record's way gone now. But at the time, it was amazing and ended up then representing Australia at the World Indoor 24 Hour Championships in London and set eight Australian indoor records there. But that was only in the first half of the race because the second half of the race, uh, it was pretty much cooled off because it was on a marble floor but you know the thing that was interesting in all my running days was that really that you could apply that that ethos in anything that you know you've heard that maybe the Charles Swindell uh, quote that like um what is it? Life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. Mm -hmm. So it really has become an ethos in my business, raising my family um, and, and being a wife and all the other roles that we play. I really do believe whenever I'm hit with something or challenged by something, I try and sit there and think about it with a critical thought uh, rather than an emotional hat. And that's not always the case. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's not always the case when you're exhausted or your children are being awful or or business is not going great and but I do try still no matter what to pull myself back to that that mm. ethos I love it and I think that's what's important as well when you actually have the skill to be able to be aware of that many years ago now probably gosh I don't know how many years ago maybe 12 years ago I started doing my NLP master practitioner stuff oh. and I was learning all this and obviously you've got to share all your own stuff and be your best <laughs> be your best clientele to work yeah. through it to know how all the processes work and over the years it was quite interesting because it's not that you don't have problems it's how less you sit in them mm -hmm. so I notice now it's I might go straight into the emotional for a couple of minutes but then bang I just noticed that it's about how can I take responsibility how what can I do to change a circumstance if it's externally it's it's just beautiful to be able to have those tools and to be able to share those tools as well with other women where we can control internally with our head, with our mindset, with our thought process to really shape what we're actually seeing on the outside. <laughs> Tell me, you mentioned business. Yes. You are passionate about an organic, chemical-free living. We haven't had anyone on the show talk about organic, chemical-free skincare, so I'd love to dive into that. <laughs> uh, your business is called 28 Essentials. What made you start it? Can you take us down that yellow brick road of how this all came about? I know you've got a lot of different things that you've done under your belt, but you've stepped into entrepreneurship. How did that start? 
right from a young woman, I ended up, I worked in travel for three or four years, moved to Melbourne from Auckland in New Zealand and moved to Melbourne. And that's when I started studying, met Cliffy and two women that I watched in business start, who had an aromatherapy company, uh, inspired me beyond belief. And I ended up working for them for a number of years, got trained by them, did a whole lot of speaker training, uh, did some NLP training back then as well. And the whole time I was there, I kept thinking, I could do this one day. I could do this one day. So I was contracted to them for quite a few years. Um, I guess from that age, from my early 20s, I've never really worked for anyone else. It was always a contractual type situation I put myself into for any company. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was when we moved to Australia, after we'd written a couple of books back in New Zealand, Danny and I moved over to the Sunshine Coast with our two young children. Sadly, Uh, His sister had tragically taken her life after a psychotic episode and it was just one of those things that can catapult you into the world of the unknown very quickly and also a lot of questioning and a lot of, you know, hardship, if I'm honest. Mm -hmm. And sadly, that didn't end there. We lost our house in a property deal that went wrong. And then when we did move to Australia in 2006, uh, we put all the rest of our savings into a financial institution that collapsed with the global crisis. You're kidding. Yeah, so we were catapulted into a world of pain, really. Um, I also lost my grandmother at that time. And I just remember sitting there thinking, um, you know, how the hell are we going to do this? Because during during that year of 2008, I'd actually wanted to really launch this business idea that I'd had in my head for 10 years. I'd been looking for a chemical-free manufacturer, couldn't find anybody that would make the ingredients that I wanted because we kept getting told you had to have parabens, you had to have certain emulsifiers and additives. And I just kept thinking as an aromatherapist, I use just oils and serums and things like that. Surely there's a way. But, of course, the minute you add water to a product, you have to go into a whole preservative system, etc. So I spent 10 years looking for a manufacturer, couldn't find it. And then out of the blue, or is it, a lady rang us. Uh, I was living in, in uh, on the Sunshine Coast in 2008, and she'd picked up my, the book that I co-authored with a beautiful soul, Fleur. It was called um, About Face, How to Look and Feel 10 Years Younger Naturally. And she'd picked this book up and read it from Auckland to Perth. Another Kiwi <laughs> who had been living in Perth for a number of years had her own chemical-free skincare company and just rang me. And, and ironically, I'd wow. studied therapy with her 20 years beforehand in Melbourne. <laughs> So there's no accidents. Um, Long story short, she said she could help and flew over to the Sunshine Coast. And in uh, August 2009, we launched 28 Essentials with our essential oil range and our new self-published book, Like Chocolate for Women. And three months later, we launched 28 Essential Skincare, which was a chemical-free range of beautiful organic products. So, yeah, it was a long process and certainly taught me the power of patience that, you know, you could take shortcuts and you could also get people, anyone to manufacture your product. But when you have a certain set of values and an ethos that's really important to you, Mm. sometimes it doesn't come so easily, especially when you're going against the status quo. So for me, it was worth the wait. Mm. Now, you started in 2008. What was the startup experience like for you? Well, we, it's, you know, geez, (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
ironically, we'd been affected by the the global financial crisis. I needed $40,000 to get our first order, plus the print run of our first self-published book was was about we had to pay the, the printing. It was too far in. I couldn't cancel anything. I had nothing. We had no money whatsoever. No. And um, my husband was also in a real state. Our marriage was nearly over at that point because of the state he'd got himself into. And he openly allows me to share his story of depression and major anxiety and losing his sister and not dealing with emotions and on the road all the time. You know, it was a big, tough time for us, to be honest. I had a 10 and 11-year-old. Bloody turmoil. Like, oh seriously. Gosh. I was on How my much can one before. person take? You hear the saying, you only served as much as what you can handle, but seriously, boy. <laughs> yeah. It was tough. And my grandmother had just passed away, as I mentioned as well. And so I was in a really bad way. And I remember <sighs> lying on my bathroom floor and I looked up at Fleur and I just said to her, maybe this is the universe saying, give up. And she looked at me and she picked up my my sorry little self's face off the floor and she said, oh, maybe this is the universe asking us how bad do we want it. And I've never forgotten that. Mm. And that got me up and out of the bathroom. And then I went into five different banks and financial institutions here on the Sunshine Coast and asked what was the minimum credit card I could do with no documents. And I ended up with uh, five $2,000 credit cards, which I know is probably the worst way to tell people how to start a business. Um, (laughs) But we were two in. It was amazing. So I got 10 grand there. And then again, there's no accident. The power of vulnerability and sharing your story. A friend of mine from New Zealand, a mutual friend we had over here on the coast, she just happened to want to meet for coffee. I met with her in Cotton Tree. We're having a coffee and she just said, and how's it all going? And I just burst into tears. And she turned around and pulled out of her bag her checkbook and wrote out a check for $20,000. So I now had $30,000. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was amazing. So that's how my business started. And the minute I knew I owed money and I had someone invest in me on that level, I just knew I had to make this work. So. We then launched in 2009, so and we did it. We we got over the line, and and I'm proud to say this is our tenth year in business. Yeah. Wow! You know, there's the thing called the test, and I <laughs> talk about this in my Herpreneur event, which is when we start we for business. That is, we we, we get all these tests, these roadblocks. It's because we're moving forward, and as it's like the universe just wants to throw out just a <laughs> something just to say, how bad do you want it? So it's so interesting that Fleur said that to you and even though you said like it's probably bad advice to give say to go get credit cards though I think that shows the level of determination of how bad do you want it and for me I think there's good credit and bad credit and if this is about you looking to fulfill this urge and this dream and this message that keeps tormenting you for the past 10 years Mm. um then you know it probably would not that that next step would not have happened you probably wouldn't have sat there and had that conversation with the lady lent twenty thousand dollars you know and because of that that's when you, you've got that commitment. With poker, there's a terminology called pot committed. So they put the money in the middle of the pot and um, not marijuana pot. I've realized I've been saying this for years and never made the distinction until I had someone interview. <laughs> they said, like marijuana. I said, oh, no, I've never thought about that. No, not pot committed that way. Financially pot committed, committed to the financial pot. 
And because she backed you, like that held your feet against the fire, right? Which was like, that's it. Like we're going to dive in deep. It's just so good to know that. Mm. You're an author of how many books now? How many books have you done? Six. I've done five books with, I've co-authored five books mm-hmm. and the last book I just launched, The Art of Self-Love, was the yes. first one I've, I've done myself, yeah. How does the book come to you? Is it through an idea? Is it a feeling? Is it a challenge that you're going through and you think, if I'm going through it, other people need it? How does it come to you? I think it's a bit like a business. Um, you know, if I said to you I woke up at 15 and said I'll be writing books and speaking on stages and and selling, uh, you know, oils and skincare, I don't know if you'd ever have that vision. I think it's about an involvement and what's your passion and what's your purpose and what's what gets you up every day excited and into life. And, look, that's, you know, what most of us, it is an excited idea. And we, if you'd told me what I was going to have to go through 10 years ago to do what I've done, I, might, I don't know if I would have taken the route, but maybe I would have. I don't know. But it's, um, <laughs> it's understanding that with everything we do, there's always – you've got to have the two opposing forces. And sometimes there's great things and sometimes there's not so great things. Um, mm. So with the book, the first idea – like I never thought I could write and I still don't think I would consider myself a writer. It's hilarious. So the first book came along when I was back in New Zealand in, 19, uh, in the year 2000. A leading magazine over there actually asked if I could write an article on the powers of essential oils and how they've helped me uh, in my in my as a mum and as a athlete and so I started writing that article and that's when I texted or you know got in touch with my girlfriend Fleur and said to her I think there's a book here and she said as all good friends do I agree so we put a proposal to the first publishers we could think of and we went to them and we were absolutely horrified that they turned us down um, but we went to the next publishers and we got signed on the spot got given a check believe it or not wow and um, so it was again all about the way we were going to sell the book, how we wanted to do it. We were mums of young young babies. She was still breastfeeding when we wrote our first book, and I just finished breastfeeding our youngest. So it was a very amazing thing. The drive was more powerful than the the fear or the risk of it. So we launched that first book. Um, our publisher said to us, and and I guess I'm a little bit cheeky and I'm a little bit forthright. I get an idea in my head, and maybe that's what entrepreneurs are like. I had an idea, and you couldn't tell me no so they said to us oh look well I said how do we do the launch and they said oh you know we just have drinks on a Friday we'll celebrate it we printed 2,000 copies and I said oh no I want to have a party and she said oh no we don't do that especially for someone like yourself the unknown authors well I then went about creating a party so I ended up (laughs) no put baby in the corner (laughs) yeah exactly I sold 220 tickets to our book launch and they were 20 dollar tickets and we put it on at a venue, which was like a Telstra business. It was like the Telstra of Australia. It was called Clear Communications. I love the glass atrium in there. I happened to know the marketing manager. He said yes. Didn't realise how many people we weren't allowed to have in there. But it was too late. Always ask for forgiveness <laughs> rather than permission. Um, so we sold $20 tickets. My husband had just been on Celebrity Treasure Island on television. So I said to him, do you think if I got in touch with everybody and faxed everybody on your thing, um, that they'd come out of the 10 celebrities eight of them said yes so then I did a one-page fax media wow. report I didn't 
a door media release. But I just wrote out a one-pager and said there's this new book called Light Chocolate for Women. Um, these people are going to be there. This book is said to hit the charts. You'll want to be there. I then rang um, two leading bookstores, Dimmicks and Whitkills in New Zealand. Whitkills said no. They didn't think it was big enough, but Dimmicks took it on. And so I gave them the rights. And we had $5 of each ticket went to the Women's Wellness, Women's Health Action, which was something I believed in around women's health over there. And believe it or not, we had 220 people. That day, that night, um, we had a celebrity uh, MC. She was a radio host. I'd never met her before, but I asked if she'd do it, and she said yes. And then she said that night, it was November, we launched the book, and she said to everybody, this is, this is the perfect Christmas present, so you should all be walking out of here with at least two, if not four books when you think about your inner circle. We sold more books that night, <coughs> apparently, than a Jamie Oliver would at a book launch. Wow. That was the quote that was said. We were on radio the next day. The lady introduced us and said, here's two authors that have sold more books than Jamie Oliver. Wasn't quite right, but we kind of like looked at each other and we kind of didn't agree, but we didn't disagree. And then we sold 8,000 copies of that book in New Zealand um, in the first three months. Of the launch. So, Can I just you. say, everyone listening, the key is, to ask, 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 everything you've done, you had an idea, you went for it. You had another idea, you went for it. It was like you continually, even when you got the no, you then found the next door. Yeah. And those doors sometimes don't come up if you don't actually ask, get the first no. You asked for the lady to be the, the host. There's just so much. You've asked to have the, the, the celebrity list. <laughs> like, I know. My gosh. And that's something that I didn't realise was a skill until people kept trying. Then people would ask me how to do it, and I told them what I did, but it didn't happen for them. And that's I, I think I just – actually, what Kerry, the MC, said, her opening line was, I'd never met Kim Morrison, but saying no to Kim Morrison would be like kicking a kitten. That was her opening line. And in that <laughs> moment, I thought, ah. So kill them with kindness, be flattered, be absolutely humbled, be excited. Um, you know, it's the most beautiful energetic transformation when you can pass on that enthusiasm. And yes, we had no's, but I've also figured the first publisher that turned us down, yes. we'd already decided that Harry Potter got turned down nine times before she got a yes. And so we knew we had at least eight to go before we were going to give up. So to me, it's like just that tenacious determination and knowing that when you have a message that's so powerful, I knew this book would help women, particularly women, young mothers. Yeah. I knew it would help women in business. I knew it was everything that I was passionate about and I just wanted to get the book out there. And I also knew that I wanted to show women that you can have a dream and you can go for it even when you have young children. I also wanted to show people how to take care of themselves and how to use lower chemical things in their lives so that their health sustained those times of stress and pressure. Or if you were working full time and you're a mum, how do you look after yourself while you're going through those times? So mm. to me, the book was so important and so precious and so because it did so well our publishers then signed us on for our second book two years later which we launched called like an apple a day that was about the mind body and skin so getting into more areas but as we found with that book it wasn't as successful as the first one and what we discovered is that it wasn't niche enough so sometimes finding your niche is actually mm. one of the most powerful tools 
And then the third book, you'll love this story. I wanted to work for a leading chemical-free skincare company in New Zealand, and we tried to get a meeting with the CEO, the creative director, the owner of the business, and we were told we couldn't meet with her. So we decided, I can't believe I'm going to tell you the story, but we decided, look, let's, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> So we drove four hours north to Kerikeri, where the head office was mm -hmm. of um, this particular company. We walked in, and God forbid if she ever hears this, but we said, "Look, we have a we have a meeting with um, the lady with Suzanne, the, the head, the owner of the company." And they went, "Oh my gosh, we don't have you in here." And I said, "Oh, we've just driven four hours for our meeting. Well, that's a shame." She goes, "Oh, hang on a second. So she went up to Suzanne's office and she said, "Look, these two ladies have driven all the way from Auckland. Um, you know, would you see them?" And she said, "Look." bring them up. So we went up and she said, I'm so sorry, I didn't realise I had a meeting with you. And we went, look, that's okay. Look, long story short, we ended up being contracted to her for a whole year while we wrote our third book about face, all about natural and chemical-free skincare. And um, it was during that time that I realised the power in you know, it's not fake it till you make it, but be cheeky and be mindful that you and will And it's get... also taking a smart risk. Seeing mm. that opportunity, I think, like, you know, I think you just believed in it so much and knew that there was a match there. You mm. just made shit happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, she just said to me, she goes, wow, you two are amazing. And I knew that my biggest selling point was myself and, and obviously Fleur of her. Yes. And we knew that if we got in front of people, we were way better than seeing us on a piece of paper or in an email or on a fax. So, mm -hmm. And I keep saying fax because faxes were big back then. So um, <laughs> We get it. Then, yeah, we, um, <laughs> but then I moved, I came over here, I met Cindy O'Meara, um, I bought her stuff, there was a mutual friend who had told me she'd he, he decided that if ever there was a, a twin sister of mine, it was over here on the Sunshine Coast. And that's how I got introduced to Cindy. And then her tape, her cassette tape that I bought, didn't work. And then she sent me another one, and that didn't work. And she said, the third time, I'll bring it over. I'm coming over to Auckland to speak there. So we got to meet face-to-face. -face. And then we got introduced to another lady who started the four ingredients um, whole thing. And that's when we launched our fourth book, Read My Lips. And um, that was amazing, learning the self-publishing journey. And then when Fleur went back, to, uh, Fleur moved over here to the Sunshine Coast as well a year later, and we decided to relaunch all three books that we had published into one book, and we renamed it Like Chocolate for Women because we hadn't ah, launched it. okay. So we created a whole new book, and that's, take, that's what brings you up to 2008 mm. uh, and launching that in 2009. Now, again, we got here to the Sunshine Coast, and we were told, oh, people on the Sunshine Coast don't go out, so don't do an evening book launch. And I thought, well, it worked really well in Auckland. Why wouldn't I try it? So then boldly drove past the Mercedes-Benz office here on the Sunshine Coast yeah. and thought, geez, wouldn't this be great? So I walked in there and asked to speak to the owner of the Mercedes-Benz Sunshine Coast. He just thought we were too cheeky, fun people. And he said, look, of course you can. You don't have to pay for it. Have your launch here. So again, we sold $20 tickets to our launch. And uh, we gave $5 to um, a charity here on the Sunshine Coast, the Sydney mm -hmm. McKenzie Breast Cancer Foundation. And then, ironically, when we told him the name of the book, Like Chocolate for Women, he said, you're not going to believe it. We're launching the Mercedes-Benz in a chocolate colour that month. So this would be perfect. Could we do something with you? So that's I am how gobsmacked. Yeah. <laughs> 
and we launched, and we had 265 people come to that. I asked top businesswomen on the Sunshine Coast to be on a panel talking about self-care and self-love. And we had Nikki Parkinson, who's an amazing woman. She had just gone into brand management and PR management at that time, and she emceed it. And that's how I launched, we launched Like Chocolate for Women here on the Sunshine Coast. Wow. Never give up. So the same analogy I have with my running, it's all in the head. A no doesn't mean yes, it's just not yes yet. Um, if, you, if every yes. time you feel pushed or knocked down or it's not working or financially challenged, just as Cliffy would say, just get back out on the track, one foot in front of the other. Never give up. Um, constantly, if one way says no, then just it just means that that's not the best way right now. Find another way. Find another track. Mm. So for me, ultramarathon probably gave me the tenacity and the determination, but also the ability to know that you either keep getting out on the track or you just keep watching other people do it. So to me, I'd rather be participating than watching it. That's probably how I've used the analogy of all my running experience into my life as a mum, a wife and a businesswoman. I, I can't help but think that the clean diet that you have, the clean way that you live, that something spoke to you <laughs> to create the serendipity, the coincidence for Mercedes-Benz, right? <laughs> it's like you have these amazing ideas that continually come up and then you action it. You don't second guess it. You just go ahead and do it. And, you know, to think the, say, the Mercedes-Benz, it's just, it's too much of a coincidence <laughs> that they were launching the chocolate Mercedes-Benz that month. Oh, no, no. But the other thing is, is I love that you work in alignment with your beliefs. And I think this is the difference with business where you were saying you could you could create a business and you could be working where you continue to look at what everyone else is doing. Um, I think it's also the way of when you're in your business, the, the, the values and the mission and the passion that you have to stay in alignment with what you actually do with how that easily, and not that money always easily comes to us, though when it's hard times, that passion is what pushes you through, where if you're doing it just for the money, it's when you're flipping, you go from one thing to the other to the other. Now, I know that you have a story, Kim, about a book that you were going to release and the sponsor was a brand like an Estee Lauder or something like that, and it wasn't in alignment with your messaging? Oh, that was – so when we were back in New Zealand, I decided because our book had been so successful that now it was time to have our own television show. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I love it. Right, yeah, so I kept writing to TVNZ, um, which would be like a Channel 9 over here, and I kept emailing, and then I happened to meet some on the – chief director of programming at an event, a cricket event, because my husband was a cricketer. And I just took the opportunity and went and introduced myself. And she and I said to her, you know, look, I bet you get asked this all the time. How do we get into television and all this? And she said, look, put your proposal to me. Well, for six months, I kept getting no, 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 no. And finally, at the six-month mark, she rang us and said, please come in. I've got some great, exciting news. So we went in and we got told we had been given the show Like Chocolate for Women, a magazine-style show on health and wellness on a Saturday morning at 9am. Now, not the best slot, but at least we had something. And then I said, gosh, who's the sponsor? 
and she said L'Oreal. And not that there's anything wrong with L'Oreal. Um, I'm not bagging it, but it, it didn't align with what I wanted and what we both believed yeah. uh, was our top priority. And so we just looked at her and, we, and she could see the look on our face and she said, whatever you do, do not say no. And I just looked at her and she said, I want you to go away for 20, you know, overnight. This is, You'd be crazy to let this go. Um, I've worked really hard for this and I just felt sick. So we got home and we went through and there's a thing that I've always done in all my decisions is um, it wasn't called this at the time, but I, I called it something else, but I'll, I'll give it to you simply. What's the upside of doing this show? What's the downside of doing this show? And can we live with the downside? And you do that for the positive and the negative. So mm-hmm. if we got the TV show, upside, downside, can we live with the downside? And if we didn't do the show, upside, downside, can we live with the downside? We decided not to take the show because the downside for us, we could live with it, which was that we'd probably never get given a television show again, and we didn't. We never got offered a show again. She was so upset with us, and I and I understand she worked really hard for that, but I feel really strong in, you know, and, and a lot of people have said to us, we were crazy. We would have got fame with that. Then we could have turned it around, but... We didn't do it for the fame. I've never done any of this for the fame. I've, I don't do this to be known. I do this because I want to make a difference. And someone else said to me when we started, like um, 28 over here, you know, what was your first reason for starting it? And I, my first vision I'd written down, I've still got the diary, to be the largest aromatherapy and chemical-free skincare brand in the Southern Hemisphere. And then, you know, big brands came along and, and I realised, oh, my gosh, that's so not my vision. My vision is because, you know, Fleur had to move back to New Zealand. I had other partners. I've had other people work. I've had to make really tough decisions that have hurt people, that have um, stopped friendships, that have, because of my beliefs, values, and my number one value being family, sometimes you have to make decisions that aren't right for people, but it's the right decision for you. And look, I've cried myself to sleep. I've known there's better ways I could handle things at times. There's been decisions I've had to make that I've wished I hadn't had to make. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I have to have them valuing and aligning with my beliefs. Mm. And I just truly believe that for the greater good of others and to help, my, my vision now is to help one person, one woman at a time, realize her own powerful, innate healing nature to not only be the best version of herself, but do that with health and wellness at the forefront. Mm. And I can do that and I can support people to do that. And I want to do that. And if you want to come along for the ride and you like some of the things I do, happy days. To have one part of me, I would be so touched. It's a bit like... Um, sports analogy. Many of us will love sport. We love health. We love fitness. But it doesn't mean to say that you're going to wear everything Lorna Jane or everything Nike or everything Lululemon. You might have Adidas shoes, Lorna Jane pants, a Lululemon crop top, a Brooks cap and a Nike vest or something. If you have one part of 28, if you love my healing skin boost, if you love one of my blends, if you love my diffuser, if you have one little aspect of 28 or one of my online programs, I just... I feel the luckiest, um, most privileged soul on the planet because to me, if there's an element of me with you, I just feel really privileged. So that's that's so beautiful. Um, I would love to finish the interview there, but I do have a couple of questions if we can, Mm -hmm. just about your book um, for self-love. Yes. Because I think this is a really nice segue with what you're actually talking about. Sometimes you're going to say no to other people because you're saying yes to yourself. (laughs) 
Yeah. My son very quickly appeared at the end of my bed three years ago. He was 16 years of age. He was on the verge of being kicked out of school, hated his life, hated himself. He was in a really bad place. And again, this is what teaches me that it doesn't matter how well we bring up our children, how much we give or how much we support, we each have our own journey. And he'd come into this world with a journey and a lessons he has to learn. And my job is to be his support person and, and mentor and coach and sometimes kick her up the butt. But at that particular moment, I knew that the three years research I'd been doing living up to that because I think you'll agree with me and that nobody has what we call the most idyllic life where nothing hurts them, no one upsets them, they don't have fallout, they don't have financial pressures, they don't have relationship issues. We all, mm. as part of the human race, will go through ups and downs and yeah. some of our downs are worse than others and sometimes, as I call them, can put you on your bathroom floor. So I decided with Jacob to use the analogy of the six-step process that I'd come up with with the three years of research I'd been doing about how do we get up, out, over, and through tough times with courage, grace, strength, and dignity. So I went through the six-step process that I'd created for him, and he listened to me everything, which was self-awareness, self-care, self-discipline, self-control, self-respect, and self-acceptance. And I go through each of those steps, and he just looked up at me, and he said, Mum, I've never had anyone explain it like this to me you've got to put this out there, you've got to teach it. And I figured if a 16-year-old young man got it, then surely the rest of us would get it. And that's mm. what was the inspiration behind the book, using all my love of oils, nutrition, self-awareness, personal growth, and all the things that I love. How would I package this? So I wrote The Art of Self-Love, and we launched that at the in October last year, and it's just won a really big award out in the UK um, in the Spiritual Awards thing, and that's just making it's confirming more and more for me that this message of self-love, I believe, it doesn't matter what your business is, what your health status is, what your desires are, or who your partners are, at the forefront, at the fundamental basis of everything is self-love. If you can find a way to love yourself, you will navigate the highs and lows, the troughs, the bathroom floor moments, the blisters, the chafing, and all the things that happen when we push ourselves. But if you don't have self-love there, you will end up into a world of fear and self-sabotage and you don't look after yourself you don't feel good about yourself you blame you go into denial you might make excuses but I hope I've taught through the book the power of going above the line the power of self-belief and the power of self-love and and of course using essential oils throughout the whole way is my little link my difference yeah amen to all of that oh my gosh what an inspiration you would be to your daughters, to your son, oh, to, to your family daughter. around you. Like it's just, um, it's so beautiful. And that message is so powerful because it's not just one thing that you're to- doing. You're you're helping with the self-love. You mentioned about the essential oils. It's really, again, what I'm very passionate about is how do we make that best version of you? How do we really make you thrive? So thank you so much for gracing your presence, your genius today with us. I have one last question for you. Are you ready? Yes. I'll be really interested to hear what you're going to say to this. (laughs) At the end of the interview, I always ask this one question. It is, what is the one thing, the one thing, if you were to narrow it down to one thing that you think really lifts that level of happiness, that high vibration of yourself that you do on a very regular basis, either daily, has to be at least weekly, something where it's like your go-to place, you know, that just sort of 
lifts your vibration so high to be that best, best, happiest version of yourself, what would it be? Look, it's not hard for me. I've been doing it since I was 19 years of age. There's not a day that I've missed, and I can absolutely say that with hand on heart. And I have a ritual I call the Daily Body Boost Ritual. And every morning I put a teaspoon of carrier oil, three drops of my favorite essential oils, and four or five sprays of magnesium, and I massage myself from my toe to my head within about 30 to 60 seconds, saying something nice to myself every morning. And then I hold my hands over my face, and I say something positive. So it could be... I'm a great businesswoman or I'm a fantastic mom or I'm a hot lover. I don't know, whatever it is. But on the days that I'm struggling, which happens and you want to be authentic to that. So it's not like you'll say, oh, I'm a great person when you're not feeling it. So on those days, my mantra is God, give me the courage, grace, strength and dignity to get through this. Um, and that has been my daily go-to for, I don't know, I'm 51 now. So however many years that is, I've been doing that nonstop and it's, I swear where to you essential oils have been my my little secret weapon oh my gosh we have not had that answer i love it can you just break it down with what you put again you put magnesium spray Yes, Three so of your I do favorite essential oils. They change yes. every day, or you, yep. they yep. are your well, favorite. I'll use a blend. I'll use a blend, or my, if I'm in a real hurry, I've got blends and I've got single oils. Sometimes it might just be one oil. So it's a teaspoon of carrier oil, or you could use a body and a carrier lotion. oil. Do you mean like a MCT Sweet almond? Uh, yeah, coconut oil or something like that. Avocado, yes. jojoba, yeah. Yeah. or you could use a body lotion. Your favorite body lotion, chemical free, of course. Um, so a couple of pumps of that, and then you put three drops of your favorite essential oil or essential oil blend and then I do three, four or five sprays of magnesium because magnesium is something that helps with muscles muscle aches and pains good sleep cell communication and functioning and of course helps to put us into what we call the parasympathetic state which is yes. to help us feel more calm mm-hmm. so I use that and then I rub from my I put a little bit on you want to look like you've you're glowing not greasy you want to make sure you're not dripping in product it's a very small amount as you can imagine a teaspoon over the whole body mm-hmm. and that lasts a teaspoon is actually for two treatments for me so it's very little but the idea is to massage up each leg from the toes up each leg the other side tummy butt chest arms all over the shoulders give myself a hug down onto each arm and then hold my hands over my face because in all honesty most women out there will do something with their face and if they're wearing a skirt they might put some cream but as I said to you at the very beginning the skin is the largest organ and also for a lot of women they don't love their bodies the way we could and until you lose a part of your body or the use of a part of your body or it gets out of shape a part of your body most of us do not celebrate what we have we always knock what we don't have Mm -hmm. and I'll say this in order to have the body of your dreams it takes discipline to eat the right foods, to exercise, to see the sunrise, to to look after yourself with positive thinking or to take action when you're not going through a good time. Life is about participation, not spectating. And if you want to get the best out of yourself, then you have to give the best to yourself. I am doing that. That's (laughs) it. Do you know what, Kim? You just reminded me of something. When I was pregnant with my son, there was so much love for my stomach, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one's kissing it, rubbing it. And then when you had the baby, then what I found really weird was suddenly the stomach didn't have any love. Mm-hmm. And energetically, I was thinking, I, I, I felt I felt it energetically. And I started to put on a fair bit of weight um, 
after I had my son. It was nothing to do with him. I was just doing too much. I'd launched a new part of my business and didn't want to fall off my perch. And I was working for a place of fear and yada, 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 and just started to put the weight on. And then when I started to strip the weight off again, the funny thing was I was actually using an oil over my body. (laughs) And when I was rubbing my stomach, and I didn't want to because I could feel that, you know, I, I came from six pack abs to now, you know, one big flab. And I remember rubbing it thinking, oh my gosh, you poor thing. Like you've had no love. I'm going to give you love. <laughs> right? And, and I remember just rubbing this cream and I thought, I'm going to give you so much love and really help you. And then funny enough, my abs went back to a beautiful now I've put on weight again you know what I'm starting it tomorrow that's it I'm starting it tonight actually I'd love to do that as a nighttime routine as well so thank you so much for sharing that That oh it's a beautiful ritual and it's something that I've just really embraced particularly around the gift of of who we are and stop trying to be this perfect person um that we seem to have these false illusions around and just embrace what you have and be really grateful. And if we've got floppy tummies because we've had babies, well, there's a lot of women out there that would give anything to have yes. those struts of honour nice because they're spending a fortune. Yep. Yeah. And there's women out there that you might think your hair's not very nice, but there's women out there going through chemo. If you don't like your legs, I've, you know, there's women and people out there that can't use their legs or they've got an illness that's lost one of their legs or, you know, just, just be mindful. There's always somebody out there that is feeling way worse than you. And rather than you know, feeding into the negativity or pity party, as I call it, then you know what, either do something about it. If you are someone who eats Tim Tams and drinks your wine every night and you love your sugar, then you actually have no right to complain about your body. It is what it is. It's just responded according to how you've treated it. But if you're training and you're looking after it and you're feeding it with beautiful mind sweat, meditation, getting outside and barefoot, um, seeing the sunrise, eating good food, using beautiful things like essential oils and chemical-free products, then your body is going to respond accordingly. So rather than blame the body, let's turn around and love her, love the body, and let's embrace her for all she is. And maybe, just maybe, by taking those beautiful small steps of love, you will find the body of your dreams is always there and she will respond accordingly. And we will finish there. Kim Morrison, thank you so much for gracing us today with your presence. My absolute pleasure. Want to know more about Kim Morrison? her journey, how she got into entrepreneurship, learning more about health and wellness. Here is the director's cut, the edited part. Where, where's all this health come from? This, this. I know that you've got the, the background with the, the, the health and fitness from the running. You've gone in and you've met somebody that does aromatherapy. Where has the education come from to go, I want to do chemical-free skincare? Like, what is it that you know that you think some of the women need to know about what's important about this. I understand the skin's like... I remember once someone saying to me, Kim, this is how I got into essential oils, actually. I went to a stand at the Fitness Expo in Sydney many, many years ago, and I walked up to this man at the the stand, and I said to him, oh, do you have the essential oil bergamot? And he said... Yes, I do. What do you want to do with it? And I said, I don't know. My friend says it smells nice. I thought I'd want to burn it. And he was like, oh, you don't burn oils. And then he said, let me ask you a question. It was really quite, um, oh, what's the word, um, eccentric. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what he came across to me. He said, would you eat your toothpaste? 
And I said, um, well, no, not really. <laughs> he says, why do you spit it out? And I went, well, I don't know. <laughs> and I said, because germs in your mouth? And he said, okay, let me ask you this. Would you drink your shampoo? And I'm thinking, who is this crazy man? <laughs> but it still made sense to me. And I said, no, I wouldn't. He said, why? And I said, because it'd be sick. He goes, why would you put it in your hair then? And that was my introduction to learning about that your body is a sift, like it, 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 it absorbs anything from anywhere. Yes. So I would love to know a bit about your background, your story, and to help educate us a bit about the importance of really looking at what we're putting on our skins every day. Sure. I guess for me and and for many of your listeners, you know, you have your own personal story. And in my early 20s, and another reason why I got into ultramarathon running, why I liked it so much is because I had a terrible skin condition after experiencing a facial that obviously went wrong and I got an infection. I had a terrible rash all over my face, forehead and down into the lower chin. (laughs) Which is the last result that you were wanting from getting a facial, right? Right. (laughs) You want to turn out looking beautiful. <laughs> yeah, no, had oh a gosh. reaction which the dermatologist put down to having an infection when she, that something that she'd used on me obviously had bacteria. So then I went down the route and saw dermatologists and different people and naturopaths and one of the drugs that was recommended to go on was Roaccutane. And when I started looking up all the information about that, wow. I didn't have Google back then, but I went to the library, asked all the different things, and I just decided whilst I appreciate sometimes drugs have a place and, and they certainly can help people at certain times, it just wasn't what I was willing to do at the time. Ironically, I was studying aromatherapy at the same time, mm-hmm. and so pretty much the answers were almost in front of me, but I hadn't made the, the relevance until I started using the oils very gently with hydrosol and beautiful compressing rituals and just being really gentle with my skin. And so that was in my early 20s. I was also using the oils to help me with my running, to give me emotional strength, to help with rehabilitation, to help with things like blisters, uh, butterflies, nervousness, all the different emotional, physical uh, things that can occur. And it was during that time that I really started investigating and studying, obviously, with aromatherapy, the power of what uh, goes onto our skin and what our skin actually absorbs. So for me, the journey has always been there. It's always been interesting what go, what do we put into and onto our bodies. It's always been a package as far as I've been concerned. So I was always interested in healthy nutrition. I married an international cricketer, a um a high-achieving athlete, I knew that to keep him on the park, which paid our wages and paid our bills, to look after his body was the best thing I could do. Um, So I loved the massage, the aromatherapy massage, detoxification, understanding cleansers, understanding the power of food as medicine and all of those things. Mm. And every time I came across a course, I just found myself enrolling in it. So (laughs) did lots of different things. And I think that's really the key that I took out of that is that never stop learning, never stop educating, never stop reading. Um, and so my it's not that I'm a nutritionist. I'm not a qualified nutritionist or a qualified naturopath, but I went on and did anatomy and physiology and I did kinesiology and reflexology as a part of my aromatherapy diploma. Wow. And there were aspects of that that really did touch on nutrition. And one of the lines that I really loved in that was nutrition for the skin. 
And I guess for me, it was that whole thing of what you put onto the body is really important as to what we, because the skin is the largest organ of the body. And because of, there's a thing called the Dalton law, which is the size of the molecules that can actually uh, cross the, uh, the us transdermally and go into the body. So anything over 500 Daltons doesn't actually get absorbed. So if it's a larger molecule, like for instance, zinc oxide, that's why zinc, when someone's wearing uh-huh. sunscreen, you can see the zinc, it's actually what we call a physical barrier, uh, as opposed to other sunscreens, which uh, have way less and smaller uh, size molecules, usually through nanotechnology or something like that. But it also means that's more of a chemical barrier. And again, even learning the difference between chemical and physical barriers, you then started to realise that, gosh, a lot of the ingredients in everyday sunscreens are actually linked to cancer. So is it the sun giving us cancer or is it the skin care or the sun care products mm. that we're using on the skin? I find that a fascinating debate. I'm not Such, a scientist, yeah, so I can't question. give the actual analogy on that, but I became very curious. Mm. Um, and so then I went on and I did my environmental health studies out of America. And along the way, I've done things like personality training, advanced personality training, which I flew to America to qualify in. So everything I've done has been out of interest in what I'm interested in. My NLP training was also very interested in. There's been a lot of different courses and things that I've experienced that. I have to say this to you, Annette, and I'm sure you'll agree with me on this. The more I learn, the more I realise I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, yeah, it's, I'm definitely a student for life in learning anything and everything. (laughs) Sometimes I try, I think I, I put so much on my plate though. Um, next to my bed, I have lots of books. <laughs> I've got Cindy's book at the moment, you know, Cindy O'Meara. So I've got yes. the Fat Loss Protocol next to my book. Um, I've started Course of Miracles. I don't know if you've actually seen that. I've got that oh book. My it's gosh. taken me years to read that book. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I start one course and then I get into, I think I'm up to Course 17, but I started it a couple of months ago. <laughs> should be further yes. along. But, oh. um, yeah, it's, it's so interesting. It, it just shows that you just love just to continually just what I think is really important is you're always looking for that next bigger better version of yourself it's always filling yourself with that information because you love it you love sharing it um it's just it's just so beautiful just to hear how many things that you continually do just Mm. and you're that greater version you know it's just continually widening your spectrum of your greatness and I can imagine that all these principles that you're learning, all these methods and um, information, that's what makes you so authentic. When I teach people presentation skills, I always say, don't try to be me, don't try to be anyone else, just the facets in your life, the stuff that you've learned is what makes you that that's so unique because if you look at all the things that you've done, you've done from aromatherapy to um, being an ultra marathon runner to doing personal development to doing business owning, like when you get you on the stage, oh my gosh, the way that your brain could just pull in so many different stories from different versions, from different areas of your life to help get a message across. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. does that make sense to you? Do you do that? Yes. Where you just sort of just. You don't know where it comes from. It just comes from your encyclopedia of being Kim Morrison. (laughs) 
I think that's what goes for all of us. We all have experiences, and that's why I always say to someone, if they say, oh, I want to write a book, I'll go, fantastic, and then they'll go, but there's heaps of different cookbooks out there, and I go, there's always room for another good cookbook. Ooh, we know that every time that. a new cookbook comes on. Or, oh, there's so many aromatherapists out there now, well, there's always room for another good one. Mm. And I think that's the key. How can you be the best thing? Because no one... No one will do it the way you do because everything we do is based on our circumstance, beliefs, upbringing, experiences, and then our perceptions and beliefs come into that. So no one will have the the vision or the view that you have. And if we can learn, someone said to me the other day, there's no bad information, just bad methodology. So it's not so much that we have little or too much information. It's how do we methodically put that across to Mm. make someone else want to hear it, use it, or see it. So I find that. Right. Mm. I was watching an interview with the man that does Jennifer Lopez's makeup mm. and he was teaching all the tips and tricks and stuff that he does. And the uh, lady that was interviewing him, she said, aren't you ever scared to teach people what you do? Because now someone might think that they can do JLo's makeup and take JLo. And he goes, well, I, no one will ever hold the brush the, exactly the way that I hold it or press the, the intensity that I press. He said, we all have our own individuality in how we do things. So even though I might teach someone something, he said, it's, no one will do it exactly the same way as me because we all have our own things. He goes, and the other thing is that's quite a scarcity mentality. <laughs> so funny the way he, yes. he he mentioned it but I thought isn't that interesting because you can teach a system I teach sales though I teach a a method but I don't teach a script because I want that person to explain that method or explain that model the way that they'd explain it as long as they get to their end destination um, I just sort of help give them those little roadmaps in between those steps in between so it's, um, yeah, quite interesting about the authenticity mm. that, that really leaks through from all of us. Well, in the book, The Science of Getting Rich, which was a book that I read and I read often, um, he talks in there about um, there's two types of people in business. There's the creative and there's the competitive. And if you're sitting there constantly thinking about your competition, you have mm. a very mindset which is around I have to take from you in order for me to have more or you can have a creative mindset which says look you're doing it I'm doing it we're doing it differently how do we create a bigger piece and a bigger pie so I love that and that's why I called my parent company creative well-being because I just love the word creative and I just felt that that was a really powerful way so whenever I have someone say to me oh how do your oils compare to this company or how does your skin and I go well there is no comparison there's nothing out there like this Uh, that's a great company that's a beautiful company I don't know much about that company but what I do know is my company and here's my pillars and what I believe in and here's what I have to offer so Mm. I think it's a really special unique thing as as a business person and an entrepreneur or even if you're working for another if you're working for somebody and you're just as passionate about making a difference in that company then just always remember that we are all unique and we all can come from a very creative mindset you're listening to the herpreneur wellness show i hope you received the inspirational idea thought or message that you're meant to hear today if you love the show it means a bunch to me sending me a message on facebook or on itunes to rate and review the show and subscribe so you're the first know when the next show's released. Until then, 
Make sure you do something that fills up your level of happiness, something that lifts your vibration so high that you're the happiest person that you know. I'm out.